Welcome back, everybody, to the SideQuest Podcast. This is Eric. I am back, and it's great to be back, and I'm taking control of the show again. Uh, with me tonight, because I allowed it, uh, is Justin and Jeff. Nice job last time with Poundrum Jedi. I was very pleased when I listened to the episode. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you are pleased. I mean, that's that's what we aim for. We have two two audience members that this episode was dedicated to. It was you and, to, and for Claudia. So, Claudia, I hope you made it through the whole thing. And you got to listen to some Eric hot dog antics. <laughs> yeah, apparently I turned into a hot dog boy uh, without my knowledge. So that was exciting to hear. Jeff, thank you very much. Yeah, you know me with all your bullshit food crap. <laughs> so, so this entire episode, because Jeff loves food episodes so much, we're just going to dedicate the entire one to talking about Italian beef. So Jeff, you still in? Are, uh, we, are you still there? log out. Good luck. Uh, you guys can start a food, <laughs> food podcast if you want, but I don't want anything part of that. Food, no one cares about what you eat. We're going to talk about littlefoodboys.com forward slash jpeg.exe. And, uh, you know, don't Google that because you will go to jail. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, go to dicks.com. <laughs> In other news, Justin, I've never seen you so excited to send a text. You sent us a text like two days ago um, for the RoboCop teaser for the video game that's coming out. And. Excellent. I mean, you are Mr. Robocop, so just fill us in on your excitement levels here. Absolutely. If, if I could pull off a Robocop costume, Alex Murphy post uh, Clarence Boddicker blowing him into smithereens, <laughs> I would do that. I don't have enough cardboard in my garage. So nonetheless, I have to, to have to get my lifelong love of Robocop out of my system somehow and Sega Genesis 1994 Robocop vs. Terminator game uh, that lasted me for a while but here we are in 2021 and boom they announced a new Robocop game Rogue City coming out in two years from now thank you guys for the heads up and the warning <laughs> but yeah. right I mean uh, whatever yeah, um, it was more of an announcement trailer than a teaser trailer. They didn't really show much, but the idea of an open world game with RoboCop going—I I hope, I hope it's because there's there's really no details. So I'm envisioning this open world game, almost Skyrim, where you're RoboCop and you get all the upgrades and you and you walk around and you just brrr, boom, bust mother efforts in the in the nuts like he does in the movie. So, audience, that's what we're talking about. The excitement levels of Justin. You just saw it come all through your headset, your phone, whatever you listen to us on. So we're we're excited for you. I mean, I don't know much about the universe. I have seen the movies, uh, old and, and somewhat new, um, and it's exciting. But I'm kind of in that space where it's like, why announce it so early? Like, that's almost two years. I mean, that is two years from now. And they didn't say, like, Christmas 2023. And we can't assume that it's, like, January 2023. So... I mean, hopefully they don't show too much and release it too early, and then by the time it gets here, it's like, now you're expecting it to be badass, as opposed to like, oh, that's a really cool feature for 2021, it is, for sure. So, I'm excited for you. Jeff, I know you only care so much about RoboCop, but you're kind of in that same realm of like, hey, um, whatever people want to do, right? Yeah, I don't really care either way about the game, because I've never really been into RoboCop. I grew up my brother having me watch you know terminator and predator and aliens so every time i went to robocop he just was kind of like this slow moving thing that broke down all the time and i was like well i'll go back watch a xenomorph run around and ripley kill him but you know there are people like justin who are really into it 
Um, so good for them, and I hope they enjoy the game whenever it comes out. Yeah, and maybe now that a game's coming out, uh, Justin, what could soon come after that if it does well? Uh, maybe a movie, a TV show, something on a series? Would that just, you know, excite you to the max? Well, it depends on how they would do it, because we obviously had the 2014 movie that came out with uh, Mikey Keaton and Samuel Jack, which performed well, if I'm not mistaken. It doubled its budget. Eric, fact check me real quick. And he types and he says, boom. Boom. You got it 100% right. It's almost like we've we've done this already twice tonight. Um, <laughs> so I, I would be curious to see how they married a modern RoboCop theme. Because what, what the director did in the original was essentially create a uh, parable or uh, metaphor for Jesus Christ, maybe the biggest superstar that we know, <laughs> coming, and, and it's the idea of you're coming back from the dead to save people, and that's what RoboCop at its core is. So to translate that into, if the game comes out in 2023, fingers crossed, let's be realistic and say 2024, that means like a movie based on the game is coming 2026, that's five years from now. Man, we're I mean, so old. We're like a hundred. I mean, come on. So I, I don't know what that means for the future of the franchise, but there is a play to be had for both a short run series, a limited run, whatever, or a theatrical franchise that actually captures more than just RoboCop's athleticism that they did in the 2014 movie. I like that. Yeah, well, we'll have to see and keep updated on what's, what the latest is with the RoboCop game. But, Jeff, you brought up a good question the other week, and this kind of, when we talked about RoboCop, made me think about it. So kind of our first side quest here is gaming subscriptions and just kind of like, what's the future going to be like with, you know, we have Game Pass. Like, PlayStation will probably catch on, I'm sure. Uh, Nintendo at some point will catch on. I know, I mean, Steam right now has their Steam summer sales going on, but will they have kind of a streaming uh, or, you know, subscription service that they do? So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on kind of like the future of gaming subscriptions, pros, cons? Like, what are your overall thoughts? I mean, it could be good or bad. Um, and depending on how they do it, I know Microsoft's really going full in on the Game Pass and you know, buying Bethesda and saying, okay, all Bethesda games will be on Game Pass, including when Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six comes out. So in some cases that's cool, but in other cases those games are huge that, you know, you could be playing for, you know, up to a year or two, and then you're dishing out 14 bucks a month. You know, after a couple months, you've already paid for the game. Now you're just paying to keep playing it. So... Yeah, hopefully there's still, you know, you still buy the game. And Game Pass is cool to check out games you never would normally buy or you're not sure you would want to buy. Um, that's where I see it's kind of beneficial. But also, yeah, it just depends on what they put on. Like, I get there's indie games and platformers, and those are fine, but I'm not really into those. Obviously, it's easier for Microsoft to buy those games and put them on there. Uh, but it just depends on what you know they put on that and then what do we have playstation does it the nintendo now it's more subscriptions 
It (laughs) just, it really depends. If they do it well, which I think Microsoft is trying to do, then I think it'll be fine. But again, it's just, there's pros and cons of both, and we'll just kind of see. But as long as you're still able to buy the game, then it's, it's really, all it can do is just help. Yeah. Justin, what are your thoughts? I love the idea of a subscription-based service. My Netflix is in my underpants all the time. But I think Jeff, right? I think Jeff brings up some really great points in that when you break down apples and apples and apples and oranges, and then you got your Macintosh and you got your Brayburn, whatever the hell you're comparing it to, if you're looking to get a new video game and you're looking to spend eight to 12 months on it, like the price point is just so much better because if you're invested so much in a game, you're not going to be trying out other things. Unless you have gamer ADD like you, Eric. <laughs> I so do. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you guys. Like it needs to make sense. And how much gaming will I do? And, you know, just like the Netflix and the Hulu and Disney and all that shit, like there, there needs to be some big ticket items that get people in the door. Um, but they also need to stick around long enough so that it's exciting and you actually want to keep playing it. Because I know Game Pass, like the games will eventually go off of Game Pass if you don't grab it soon enough. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I, I do have gamer ADD, so I like to short bursts of games. But then there's also those folks that do love just investing in one game. And then before you know it, you forget to unsubscribe and they make it really difficult. And then it's like, oh, fuck, I just spent a lot of money on a subscription that I never really use. So... I'm with you guys. I think there's going to be a lot of pros and cons, but I have a feeling like pretty soon people are just going to start jumping on board. Like Game Pass was definitely, well, uh, what was it? Gamefly was technically like the first, (laughs) if we remember that shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, Game Pass really kind of stepped up. And now that Microsoft has Bethesda, I know they just kind of almost like monopolized the whole, um, I mean, arena at this point. Um, There's really nobody else. I I always wondered if Netflix, I know Gamefly was kind of one of those, but like, I wonder. I always wondered if Netflix was going to like tap in and partner with like a Sony or a, a Microsoft or a Nintendo and bring it all. You know, like for like fifteen bucks, you get video games and movies. You know, that would be nice. Um, yeah, I, that's yeah. no, that's a really interesting idea. That I guarantee that's been flown up the flagpole. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like there was. And I am probably wrong about this, but I feel like there was a partnership between GameFly and Netflix at one point. Or at least a flirtation. Yeah, maybe a little. If anyone's uh, little gonna, nah. yeah, okay. if anyone's gonna do that, I think it would be more Sony. Cause Sony bought Funimation, and Funimation's like the anime Netflix or HBO Max. Uh, so I could see, because you know, PlayStation definitely a lot of their games are more single player, a lot of JRPGs because only you know those uh, games that come out of Japan and Korea are only for, for the most part, PlayStation. So I could see them do like a Funimation PlayStation Plus bundle um, because they own both of them, where Netflix would have to pay, or Microsoft would have to pay Netflix royalties, stuff like that. So unless Microsoft starts coming out with their own original shows, which I don't think that's what they're trying to do right now. They're buying big name game studios but you never know i mean i could go for an elder scrolls um show why not yeah and and it kind of got me thinking now that we were talking about kind of subscriptions and spend money and all that stuff is 
kind of another side quest, little spinoff here is thinking back to games that we paid for, whether it was a pre-order or we were super excited or we just wanted to have it thinking it was going to be amazing. But games we spent money on that ended up just playing up sucking just for whatever reason. Maybe there's just not what we expected. Their playability wasn't great. The mechanics or maybe the game just wasn't ready to be released. So, uh, Justin, let's start with you. Any games that come to mind that you really, you know, you spent your hard earned dollars and monies and work on uh, and it just turned out to be flat. And now it's sitting on the shelf collecting dust. Yeah, there's there's two big ones that come to mind. The first that Jeff Jeff and I spent as much time as we could playing, which was Anthem, which was very cool <laughs> yeah. in concept. And the gameplay was actually really fun. But it was just so repetitive and so non-expansive that it was like, oh, let's go to one of the four caves again. And it was like, okay, well, we aren't doing or accomplishing anything. We're not upgrading anything. Our weapons are just all the same. We're one of four classes. It was, it was just flat, I think. And the other one would be the Marvels of Marvel Avengers game that came out that I feel like did the same thing. Like, it pigeonholed you into being one character in the main storyline and then it's like i just want to play as captain america why am i kamala khan for so long and then you're then you do like the the loot shooting and you're just like well i don't have all the upgrades and uh but i have to play the story mode to get them and the story mode is boring as hell and eh. so those are the two that i'm gonna good good choices i you know jeff what do you think where are you at uh yeah i mean obviously anthem was the, the big one, fuck EA. Literally, fuck you guys if you're listening. Um, EA is the biggest piece of shit gaming company there is right now. Um, you know, and they did it with Battlefield, Star Wars Battlefield 2, where you couldn't even unlock Darth Vader unless you paid a shit ton of money for a gambling thing and hope you got him. Or you had to play, like, the equivalent of, like, f- like I think someone, like, put it down, like, three months of like game time to actually unlock him. Uh, so, and after Anthem, I've never bought a game on release. The only one that I do still is World of Warcraft because, I mean, I've been playing that for 15 years and, um, you know, my guilt, we're always going to play the next expansion, so we just get it. But outside of that, after the Anthem shit, don't ever pre- uh, purchase a game ever because just don't do it. Please stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> These companies are just getting shittier and shittier. Look at Cyberpunk and that whole, you know, fuck up on CDK Red, yeah. which was supposed to be the savior, the new awesome, you know, the new Bioware, the new awesome company. Now, you know, they got Witcher and then they got Greedy and fuck all them, honestly, too. Those guys are pieces of shit. So. <laughs> Uh, no, yes. it's just, it's, yeah, it's annoying when, you know, you're a gamer and these are, you know, this is like our hobby and stuff. And right. when they take advantage of you, they're assholes and pieces of shit. And they're horrible to the developers that actually make the game. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and I got sucked into the cyberpunk and, you know, I, I was a day one download, bought it. And, you know, I, for the most part, was having some fun with it. But then once I started seeing the bugs and I was watching videos and then the more I played, I'm like, 
wow, yeah, this really is just unfinished. And it's not, not a polished. good RPG game. Yeah, and it, it really just it just kind of turned me off to it. And honestly, I haven't probably since maybe like week three of the download. I don't think I've ever picked it back up again since. And then, Justin, you mentioned Marvel Avengers. Same thing. I was excited. You guys were... Um, you know, you guys were playing it a little bit. I jumped in and then after probably five days, like this is probably one of the shortest games, uh, gameplays I've ever had is I was just so bored and done with it. Like it just, it was repetitive. It wasn't that great. Like, yeah, I understand the story and the characters and doing that stuff, but there was just something about it that just, I, I didn't feel like it was like a real game yet. Like they just, they kind of had some cool modes, but they weren't really developed yet. So, um, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, afterwards, why? Why? It's just been sitting on the shelf. It's been collecting dust and haven't really done anything since. So, yeah, it's just one of those. Wh- why? Why? And, and I agree. I think one thing that could help fix that, and I know it will never work and I know nobody will ever buy into it. But um, the whole like maybe spend thirty dollars, spend half of what it would be. And then if you like it. You know, spend the other thirty dollars to, um, you know, let's say you put in fifteen hours of gameplay, boom, it just hits your credit card, and you spend the other thirty dollars. I don't know what you guys would think about doing something like that. That's an interesting notion. I, I think it, it it instantly reminds me of Disney Plus's play with, say, newly released Black Widow for thirty dollars. If you oh. spend that much to to sit on your ass at home to watch it. <laughs> Should you not get a DVD version like mailed to you in like six months? <laughs> the DVD, the I mean, they had that. It was what was it? GameFly. <laughs> well, well, I mean, think about it. Like, well, it's almost like I don't know what it is. It's just Steam. Sometimes Steam does a good job where if you buy a game and you have a certain amount of time to refund your money. Like, honestly, you could play for like five hours, ten hours, whatever it is, and then you could refund it to get your full money back for no reason at all you could just literally check a box and say like i was bored of it i was done with it i didn't really like it or i just installed it on accident and played it for five hours on accident oops <laughs> oopsie fuck <laughs> um but the same the same would be great to go with you know um with video games or you know like slowly over time you start to earn your money back like hey the m- longer you play maybe a couple of dollars start coming back on your account for playing so long like as a thank you for being a loyal customer i don't know I don't know gaming businesses, but I'm just saying, you know, get going, get going, EA, win our hearts back. I tell you. <laughs> so uh, I want to pivot here because we haven't really talked uh, movies today because I know how much we love movies. Um, but Jeff, you brought up a really good side quest question the other week that we didn't get a chance to get to, but guilty pleasure chick flicks, you know, <laughs> just we're guys, right? We're guys, we're boys, we're bros. Um, but every once in a while, we'll catch, uh, you know, chick flick and sit down and you know what? I'll, I'll, oops, I watched the whole thing and oops, I enjoyed it. Uh, so what comes to mind when you guys think of kind of like your guilty pleasure go to chick flick? If you have one off the top of your head, Jeff, I'm going to start with you because it was your question. This is, this is a really bad one. <laughs> go for so, it. Just say it. Yeah, for some unknown reason. Well, no, I mean, there's. There's a big rate. Well, uh, anyway, <laughs> I watch the stupid every year. I do this literally at some point randomly. I'll watch like the Twilight Saga. I don't know oh, why. Yeah. And I do it once a year. I have no idea. idea what, well, I mean, Alice Green, have you seen her in 
Uh, Ashley Green in that movie as Alice is. She, Ooh, gives, Kate, she gives Kate Beckinsale a run for her money. <laughs> but I did, when I was younger, you know, I read the books because everyone was reading them. And that, you know, the character Alice, I was like, whew, really like her. And then they made a movie. I'm like, I wonder how they're going to do her in that. And, um, yeah, it's stupid and stupid chick flick, dumb movie. I don't know. I Yeah, yeah I don't know. Music's kind of decent in it. Yeah, there you go. Some muse in there, some uh, baseball games. I, I never really watched them fully or thoroughly, but I could definitely understand why. Yeah. Justin, what about you, sir? Where are your chick flicks at? So I I enjoy a good chick flick, and I enjoy it when it has substance behind it. So what I'm getting at is when the movie is essentially like a satire of itself, I find it to be very enjoyable. So take a movie like Mean Girls, which is obviously a young chick flick uh, to play off of Heathers, which was by no means a chick flick. But um, I think that there's a lot to be to be told in the narrative that these types of movies do. So there's one movie that comes to mind and the palindrome Jedi is going to laugh at me endlessly. And that's fine. But 2004's Little Black Book with Brittany Murphy. Oh, (laughs) I've never seen it, but so basically basically a a woman snoops through her boyfriend's palm pilot because again this is 2004 and reveals his former girlfriends which causes her to question why they are still in his little black book wow all right very like the whole time it's it goes like the narrative juxtapositions against like her career and she's got this friend with this voice and her boss i think her boss is kathy bates um, who's awesome in pretty much anything she's in. Yeah. And so just so, just when you said Kathy I mean, Bates, okay, I get it. Yeah. So, no, that's that's the first one that comes to my mind. I own it on DVD, and uh, Brittany Murphy, I think, was a fantastic actress. You know, R.I.P., her, her tale ended way too short. But, uh, Eric, what do you got? I mean, honestly, I... I'm in favor of a good chick flick. I mean, if it's funny, if it's engaging, if it's got some story to it. I mean, I got kind of a, sh- I mean, a list here. I mean, I, I've probably seen most of them, but like the well, first thing the that came one? to mind was, What's the most embarrassing one? Probably, and I know my wife is going to say, well, you stole this one. For, like, this is my favorite, and that's why you picked it. But I truly do like this movie a lot. Ten Things I Hate About You with Heath Ledger and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of that like coming of age high school i i feel like it's a chick flick maybe some people out there would argue with me that it's not but i feel like it it's mostly a chick flick um but also like clueless like <laughs> i think clueless is hilarious clueless I feel is like not Paul a Ruggie chick flick it's hilarious it's a great yeah. comedy i don't think it clueless is. is a chick, and it's like, a chick it's flick a, is eh, i don't know yeah or even like bridesmaids like bridesmaids is one of those it's clear it's definitely go. a chick flick and just the comedy in that, like even Melissa McCarthy in her early days, like I feel like she was the funniest then when she was really kind of like a no name um, or at least no name enough. I know she had her own show, Mike and Molly, but, um, you know, no name enough that she was just like, <laughs> you know, shitting in the middle of the streets. Like, OK, all right. What are we watching here? Cool. Yeah, what I mean, doing like you've got males, a great chick flick that I watched during the holidays for some reason. Oh, yeah. But I that's also like- Tom Hanks. I mean, you can't. Yeah, it's Tom Any, fucking Hanks. 
I mean, holiday movies for me, I'm the same. Like, I will, me, my wife got me into Hallmark movies, and not oh, because God. I love watching them, but, and she hates when I do this, but I literally, like, predict the entire movie within the first five minutes. I'm like, oh, so this guy is, you know, he's the big city boy. He's coming out to, you know, the small town where he grew up. There's going to be a, a snowball fight. There's going to be a fake Santa there. There's going to be a couple that make everybody laugh. Uh, there's going to be the boyfriend that comes from out of town, but he understands that she's trying to be with the new boy now. And just, I do that whole thing, but I'll, I will watch any kind of chick flick holiday movie, bring it on. So any listeners out there that love them, let and us I know. And I got an honorable watch. mention. Um, yeah. It's also great horror films. One of my, my guilty pleasure horror films, um, Pizza Parlor Massacre. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's always this up. It's a great chick flick. Yeah, you know, a lot of chicks die. So, no death or murder. It's a, it's a very, it's a massacre of love. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, so good. Well, Jeff, that that was a great little side question there. Um, you know, I know we we love talking about our movies, and I'm just trying to think. You know, Justin, you just mentioned Black Widow's coming out, and again, that just pisses me off that the whole subscription service. And then you pay 30 bucks on top of it. I hope that well, goes away forever sometime. I actually have a side quest because we were talking about, you know, we love movies. We stuff, we love stuff like that. Yeah. Here, honestly, I think I used to love movies the way I kind of love television now. And hear, okay. hear me out. Outside of, outside of like the big Marvel movies or Star Wars movie, I mean... The stuff I get hyped for is like Loki or, you know, uh, the Bad Batch or, you know, um, the Book of Fett, stuff like that. It's or just, you know, stupid shows like Downton Abbey, which I have, you know, I've talked about before. It just seems like there's more quality shows lately than there are movies outside of the big juggernaut Marvel, Star Wars, you know, Jurassic Park stuff that... You know, movies like Heather's, I mean, they don't make stuff like that anymore. The The 80s was, you know, that kind of point of really good movies. When we talk about we love movies, we talk about, kind of like Justin's podcast, Back in Time, we talk about the Back in Time movies. What good, like, action film outside of John Wick has come out? I mean, in the 80s, it was Rambo, it was Terminator, I mean, they just kept coming out. Now we wait for John Wick, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah, and I don't nothing... think movies are what they used to be outside of these big super blockbusters. There's no clever movies. There's no, um, you know, anything like Goodfellas or they just don't uh, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, where are these movies? They don't exist anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. You're definitely on to something, because if you think about it, like how many let's just say since the year 2000. Right. Like how many classic movies have there really been? Like when you think back to 2000 to 2010 or even the last 10 years, 2010 to 2020, like what movies would would now be named like classics and go into the vault? And I really can't think of many. I'm like sure Lord of the some, Rings, like, you know, yeah, like a couple. Right. Like there's a few that we might be able to name, but they just pump out so much shit. And it's so oversaturated now with all the streaming services. Everybody. It's a race. Apple TV now. And uh uh, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, like all these, um, everybody's branching out and going away. And they're like, listen, nobody wants to go to the theaters anymore, which is I, I disagree with. But everybody's at home. So let's give them stuff at home. But it's like 
let's just pump out as much shit as quick as we can without even thinking about the writing, the storytelling, the excitement. And let's just, you know, we'll, we'll make up the money elsewhere. We know like another Fast and the Furious movie is coming out that'll make the money. So let's make like six other shitty things because we know that's coming. You know what I mean? So uh, you're both right and you're also both wrong. And <laughs> how would this be without me disagreeing with you two? Um, I mean, I, I agree with what Jeff's saying because essentially what Disney has masterminded is a platform where they don't have to ever come up with any original idea. They just keep buying shit. Yeah. And then remaking it. And it's like, do we need another Cinderella movie? Okay, sure, I guess so. I mean, even the original Aladdin cartoon movie was based on a different IP. So what we have is these studios that are rushing out to, like, satiate our uh, endless gorging for content. And then we've got the smaller streaming platforms that are scooping up all of the yeah, this is 100, this is 500, this is $1 million concept, but that doesn't get the love and attention that a big budget uh, studio can give it. So, But also at the same time, you take a movie like Casey Affleck's Manchester by the Sea, which was award-winning, like, out the nose, and it was actually a really good movie. But yeah. I, I, was it Amazon or... It was Amazon, right? The only Amazon. thing that yeah. I see that they're being more experimental with, I, I would say it would be like horror films. Like A24 and stuff are doing some really cool things. A lot of what uh, Nicolas Cage has gotten himself in these weird, you know, Lovecraft type horror movie and stuff, which are great. And it seems like horror movies are taking more chances where you're just, I mean, you're just not getting anything else. You're not getting a yeah. cool, weird, I don't know. I I definitely, yeah, Jeff, you're definitely onto something there. I think what it really is nowadays is it's it's kind of like the search for the best indie movies in that have recently come out. Like, for instance, like I really enjoyed Knives Out. I know they're making a sequel to it, and you know, hopefully, it's as good as the first. But like a weird off-brand indie movie like that, and maybe it was based on a story or based on a book, whatever. I don't, I didn't really look into it, but. You know, just I feel like some indie movies really catch on and do a good job. And, you know, they're trying to, like, you know, reach the surface where all the marbles are at and this and that. But, like, you know, they don't really get the budget because it's just like a one off. Like, I, I, I find myself watching and scrolling through more indie movies lately to try to find that gem that I'm, like, super excited about. Because, Jeff, you're totally right. Like, do I need to watch the latest rock movie where he is saving the world again or the city's being destroyed or the world's falling apart? No. Will it be like a Sunday rainy day popcorn flick? Probably, but it doesn't get me as excited as like finding a, you know, a diamond in the rough where I just walk away from a movie that's like, you know, I was just blown away or I just thought it was a really good story or I was just like so invested in, you know, the characters, whatever it is. But yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm feeling that way more like you with TV, like Loki, this last episode. I know we won't have time to talk about it, but I just love the Loki series so much that it's really like just well they set the bar high now for any marvel <laughs> like, stuff like i it made me forget about wandavision and captain falcon mostly captain falcon first but uh like i don't want to go back and watch wandavision because i want to rewatch loki again you know i don't That's know because loki just, has a good straightforward story where yeah. wandavision i love what they did with wandavision it was very clever and 
Elizabeth Olsen was just as fun to watch as Tom Hiddleston, but um, there was a lot going on in it, which is not a bad thing. Uh, but Loki, it's a pretty clear set, you know, destination. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I have no idea what that was a jumbled mess. And it was trying to be political for some reason. It was trying to, like, push things, change things. I don't know. They were trying to buy a loan at one moment. (laughs) One episode, they were just fixing a boat. I'm like, what the hell is this? And also, I'm going to take a page out of Justin's book, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like WandaVision, we knew kind of so much going into it about the kind of of the storyline, how she's kind of in, like, almost like a trance or a hex or a bubble and she's kind of playing throughout the years, so she's in control. So I feel like I knew a lot going into WandaVision that then I was like, ah, okay, yeah, that's right. Or this happened or that happened. And there were some surprises, not many, but uh, with Loki, I was like, I don't even know where the fuck we are. We, he just grabs the space stone and disappears. That's all we knew is that he's going somewhere. And we had no idea what to expect, who the TVA was, what the story was. It was just awesome. So and we, we still don't know episode five in the can. Who is the TVA? Do we, we have no idea who's who's this. But well, let's let's, well, let's yeah, well, question for for the, the, the finale yeah. where we're going to do a special two part episode. One, yeah. uh, one part by us, two part by them, where we discuss all things Loki coming up. But that's can't, happening audience. So can't wait. Well, uh, I guess I'm going to bend over and take it in the rear because I wasn't here last time. So, boys. What am I going to do? Because I figured I was going to be the chosen one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nothing? No? Nothing? Do I get to do it to somebody else? Well, we got a lot of we had a lot of good topics. So there's got to be something there we can pull. That's what she how, said. How about like uh, uh, Clueless? Like I, I'm Alicia Silverstone. Okay. I feel like this is a fantasy yeah, you we've had many a night. Seem to really like this idea. So why don't okay, you I got, I got my just do a little spiel with your girlfriends? You're going out. Um, we're Give just like, totally, you know, going to the movies in my hip ride. And as if Donna, thank you, Polly Shore. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. I just had to throw a Donna in there.